0: What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Schaumler, and this is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Friday, December 8th. I have a good show planned. I'm really excited to share what I have prepared. We're going to talk a lot about the Falcons and Saints game last night. That was Thursday night football. We're going to talk a little bit of basketball. And then I'm going to share my love of quarterbacks. I'm going to tell you some stuff about quarterbacks you may not know. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. There is a YouTube channel for Strong Opinion Sports. I put my full show there. I also put my best you know, four to five minute segments there so you can find Strong Opinion Sports on YouTube. Tell your friends about this show. That is my whole strategy for growing Strong Opinion Sports. I figure if I make a great podcast that people really like, they will tell their friends about it. So tell your friends about this show. If you like it, if you enjoy it, you probably have friends who also listen to podcasts. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. We're gonna get to the Falcons and Saints in just a minute. We'll talk a lot about Matt Ryan. But first I want to start with this. I'm going to share with I want to bring something with value to your life. I don't want to just jump right into nerdy sports talk with tears and quarterbacks. I think I have something valuable to say that can help you in your life. I've been through a lot of adversity in my life. You know, my family was homeless at one point. I had a coach tell me in high school that I was too small and I'd never play quarterback in college. I proved him wrong. In 2016 on February 8th, my younger brother died. He took his life. He committed suicide. It was really awful. I have dealt with Adversity, and the lesson I've learned through all of these things, and the best thing I can offer you for encouragement, is that bad things happen, but bad things can be your competitive edge later in life if you use them. If you learn lessons from the bad things that happen to you, they can really help you. you don't say poor me. Look at it this way. Don't don't be all upset when bad things happen to you. You, you can say have a poor me attitude and be, oh, why me? Why does this happen? No. When bad things happen, you look at it as a way to get stronger because when bad things happen, you either fold or get stronger from them. You either kneel over and let it ruin your life. Like when my brother died, I dropped out of college. I almost let it ruin my life. But instead I looked inside and I said, how can I learn from this horrific event? And I think I've used my brother's death for positive. I think I and doing things that would make him proud if he saw me today. Bad things can either tear you down or build you up, but they only build you up if you let them. Bad things can be very valuable. Bad, horrific memories can be good things in the past. Adversity makes a man. And right now, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs are both 6-6. Six and six. They have battled with a lot of adversity this year. The Chargers will, will, the Chargers will make the playoffs. The Los Angeles Chargers will make the playoffs and the Kansas City Chiefs will not. Again, life is all about how do you respond to bad things happening. Adversity makes a man. Are you the kind of person that can fight through it and learn from what happened? Or do you get defeated and give up when bad things happen? The LA Chargers started 0-4 this year. Zero wins and four losses. That's basically a death sentence in the NFL. And yet the Chargers have fought back. The Chargers are now 6-6, and and they're, they're tied with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Raiders. All three teams are at 6-6 and atop the AFC West. In contrast, the Kansas City Chiefs are, were 5-0 and to begin the season. They had a great hot start. They were the best team in September. But then they started losing games. They dealt with adversity, and the Chiefs did not handle adversity very well. Remember, adversity makes a man. Do you handle well or not? The Chargers handled their problems very well. They've responded well. They've fought back to 6-6. Six and six. That is why the Chargers will make the playoffs and the Chiefs will not. They're both 6-6 six and six right now, but mark my words, in four games, we will see the Chargers standing atop the mountain in the AFC West and making the playoffs. I, I know obviously the Chargers are the hot team. It's good in the NFL to be hot at the end of the season. You're playing well, you have a, a, you're on fire, that's good. That is currently the Chargers. But don't forget, they started 0-4 and they fought back against adversity and will be better for the trials and tribulations they have been through. The Chargers will make the playoffs and the Kansas City Chiefs will not. Let's talk about the Saints, Falcons, and Thursday night football. Last night, Matt Ryan had three interceptions and it was just an ugly, ugly loss. And it, it brought my brain here. It made me think about where who is Matt Ryan? How do we list Matt Ryan with other quarterbacks in the NFL? Is he one of the top quarterbacks? Is he one of the middle quarterbacks? Who does he compare to in the NFL? I came up with this. There are four tiers of quarterback in the NFL. There are four different levels, four different rankings, whatever you want to call it. There are four different tiers of quarterbacks in the NFL. The top tier is this. The top tier of quarterbacks can do more with less. They're like miracle workers. No matter what you put around these quarterbacks, these rare few, they can win a Super Bowl. A top-tier quarterback, the best of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, can do more with less. You can whatever you put around them, they can win a Super Bowl. The second tier of quarterbacks can still win a Super Bowl, but you have to invest a lot around them. You have to give them a really good team. If you give these guys a good team in the second tier, they can win you a Super Bowl. In the third tier, you have quarterbacks that no matter what you put around them, they will not win a Super Bowl, but they can win you games. They won't win a Super Bowl, but they can win you games in the NFL. And the fourth tier is quarterbacks that cannot even win you games. These quarterbacks are irrelevant. They don't start their backups or they're horrendous. They're like Brock Osweiler. There are only three quarterbacks in the top tier in the NFL. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. No matter what you put around these three quarterbacks, you always will have a chance to win a Super Bowl simply because you have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Russell Wilson on your team. That's enough. Those guys can win you Super Bowls almost by themselves. Not quite. I mean, look at Russell Wilson's stats. He has 29 of the Seahawks' 30 touchdowns this year. The dude can do everything. Those are very few. Those are few and far between. They're miracle workers. Now, if we go down to the third tier, so that's the the first tier will win you a Super Bowl, no matter what you put around them. The third tier is the guys that you can give them a great team, but they'll never get you over the hump. They can never, ever win a Super Bowl. They're not good enough. Those are guys like Alex Smith and Andy Dalton. I mean, let's be honest about Alex Smith. I I believed in him. I wanted him to be successful. But right now, Alex Smith has the best roster in the NFL and his team is six and six. So Alex Smith, I'm out. I'm out. I don't believe in you. You're now a third-tier quarterback that no matter what I put around you, Alex Smith cannot win a Super Bowl. So next Sunday, and maybe someday I'll do this. Maybe someday I will list where every quarterback fits. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to tell you where Ben Roethlisberger and Matthew Stafford fit. I'm just going to focus next on a couple quarterbacks who belong in the second tier. The second tier is quarterbacks who can win a Super Bowl, but they need a lot of help in order to do it you need to give these guys a really good roster and if you do that they can win you a super bowl guys like case keenum kirk cousins Derek carr joe flacco did it and let's be honest here both drew brees and matt ryan are now tier two quarterbacks unless you give them a great team they cannot win a super bowl first let's talk about drew brees where has Drew Brees been the last couple of years? He went to the Super Bowl in 2009. It was awesome. He had a great defense. He had good receivers. And since then, he dropped off a cliff. Now this year, you give him a good defense. You give him a good running back. Drew Brees is back at the top. I love Drew Brees. He was my favorite quarterback for years. And he still is my favorite quarterback. But you can't deny he was absent for years when he didn't have a great roster. Drew Brees is not a top-tier quarterback because he needs a good roster around him to win, which is fine. That's not unreasonable. Most I, I played quarterback. I wasn't going to win you games with bad players. I needed good players around me to win. It, it's, not a bad, it's not really that much of an indictment because, again, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those miracle workers that can win with nothing, that's once in a generation. That never happens. But let's be honest about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is also a second-tier quarterback. He's not up there with Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. Matt Ryan is a Tier 2 quarterback. You need to give Matt Ryan a lot of help if you want him to win a Super Bowl. I mean, we saw last night. Why did the Falcons win the game against the Saints last night? The Falcons' defense stepped up at the end and made a big play. Matt Ryan played awful, but his defense won him the game. Matt Ryan and Drew Brees are both second-tier quarterbacks. You need good teams around them if you want them to ever win a Super Bowl, and that shouldn't be very controversial. I know it is people in Georgia currently are really mad at me because I said that, you know, Jacob Easton should transfer from Georgia. I'm literally getting death threats by the way. It's very, it's kind of funny. I think it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say cool. That's not quite the approach I want to be, but it does show that what I'm saying is very polarizing and challenging people's beliefs, which I, I like that. I think that's pretty cool. I have a couple other thoughts from last night is Thursday night football game. And I want to talk about that first. Uh, There is a narrative right now that the Saints lost because of the refs. I saw a post on YouTube. It said, the Saints lost to the refs, not the Falcons. False. That is wrong. That is wrong. That is wrong. The New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees lost last night to the Falcons. You you cannot blame the refs for a loss like that. I I know that the refs made some controversial calls. I know what happened. I will repeat this as many times as I need to. I'll say it every single show if I have to. I had a coach one day, a long time ago, my high school coach said this. He said, leave no doubt. My coach said, you can never blame the refs for a loss because you gave them the chance to decide the game. My coach would always say, if you dominate all four quarters and beat them by 40 points, you'll never allow the refs to make or break the game. The Saints had every opportunity to win that game last night. They could have really pounded the Falcons into the ground. They did not. the The refs, the refs made some bad calls, but we can't blame the refs. The Falcons had every oppor- The Saints had every opportunity to beat the Falcons fair and square. So, leave no doubt. That's I'm never ever going to. I'm very rarely, very rarely am I going to say it, the the refs cost that team the game. Because if it comes down to the last play, well, why did it come down to the last play? Why didn't you do why didn't you do more in the first, you know, fifty-nine minutes of the game to win the game? So I'm I'm almost never going to side with a coach against refs in a situation like that. My second thought from last night's Thursday night football game is this. You know, a lot of people stopped watching the NFL when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. I, I have a much better reason to boycott the NFL. That is Thursday night football it's becoming increasingly increasingly clear in its current form the way thursday night football is currently constructed thursday night football is not safe and even if it is safe even if the reason everyone gets injured on thursday night football games is not because of the short week the short week of rest it's still bad pr because the perception is that it's bad and unsafe because the reason why Thursday night football it shortens your week of preparation, so you play on Sunday and you're expected to play four days later on Thursday, it gives you very a, a very short amount of time to rest and prepare your body for another football game. Because football is a brutal, hard contact sport where guys get beat up all the time. You want as much rest between games as humanly possible. So again, even if it's not, even if that's not true, even if Thursday night football technically, statistically, isn't more unsafe than any other games. The perception is that it is. And the NFL needs to be very careful with the perception of the NFL and injuries. We had Ryan Shazier, we had the movie Concussion. The NFL needs to avoid narratives that make them look bad and that make football look dangerous. I want to share this. I have a perfect plan on how to solve the problem with Thursday night football. It's so, so simple and so, so obvious. How about we only play Thursday night football games after a team has a bye week? This promotes safety. What this does is gives you a week before the game to rest and prepare your body. And it gives you a longer week afterwards to prepare your body for the next game. So if you play Sunday to Sunday, that's seven days between. If you, if you don't play a Sunday before Thursday night, you have an extra week to prepare for the game. Then you play before Sunday, so you have another week. You have another I think four days afterwards to prepare for your next Sunday's game. So you have rest on both sides before the game and after the game. You have extra rest periods for players than normal. If you do Thursday night football only after a bye week. This will make players want to play Thursday night football because it gives them even more rest. It will be a reward instead of a punishment to play Thursday night football. So we need to... Only have Thursday night football games after a team has a bye week. Now the big problem with that is this: there are only seven weeks with bye weeks, so we would only get seven weeks of Thursday night football. Bye weeks start week five of the NFL and end week eleven of the NFL. So what that does is it remove. It means that you're not going to get a, a, a Thursday night football game every week. You will, the NFL will lose some resume or the, some revenue, which is hard, but. There are two ways we could do this. There is a way to make up some more lost revenue. We could either just eat the cost. They are only going to play seven Thursday night football games a year, which is fine. That's possible. You'll lose a lot more revenue, but you could also do this. They could also play Wednesday night football games. So Wednesday night game and a Thursday night game. Because if four teams go on a bye week, you have four teams ready to play on the next Thursday and Wednesday. So that is a good, it gives you 14, Thursday night football games, you won't get 17 or 16, but you will get 14, which makes up for a lot of lost revenue by only doing it on bye weeks. It's possible. Uh, The problem is Thursday night football in its current form seems unsafe. Even if it's not unsafe, the perception is it's unsafe, which is bad for the NFL. Thursday night football needs to change. And the way they can do that is to play Thursday night football games only after a team has a bye week. I'm telling you, It's simple. The NFL is going to lose a little bit of money, but a little bit of money is better than a lot of people turning it off because it's unsafe and it's a bad sport. The NFL needs to protect itself and change its Thursday night football plan. That needs to happen sooner than later. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I changed my opinion on LeVar Ball. You'll be very surprised where I'm landing on LeVar Ball next. I I really... I, I, I miscalculated something, so I want to talk about that next. And if Hollywood scripted the Super Bowl, what two teams would make it in? A- and the only teams that are eligible and actually have a chance to make it into the Super Bowl. There are two teams that are the best two storylines to make it to the Super Bowl. My name is Zach Schellmer. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. Remember, I put my full show on YouTube. I also put my best breakout clips on YouTube, about four to five minute segments. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. I know you have friends who listen to podcasts. I know you listen in the car. Turn on the show. Tell your, show your friends Strong Opinion Sports. We're growing. It's really fun. I love the community we have on YouTube. Continue to tell your friends about this show and keep helping this thing grow. It's really fun. I love you guys very much. I will be right back. All right, I am back. I love storytelling. I, I'm in total absolute nerd about storytelling in fact if you don't know i write movie scripts for fun i wrote 200 pages the other day about how i would rewrite the star wars prequels i'm a nerd i am an absolute nerd about storytelling so i had this thought what is the best storyline for two teams that could make it into the super bowl the two best storylines to make it to the super bowl are the vikings and the chargers if hollywood scripted the super bowl the two teams they would choose to be in the Super Bowl would be the Vikings and the Chargers. Here is why. First off, the Vikings ha- are on their third string quarterback. Earlier this year, Sam Bradford got hurt. They had to turn to Case Keenum, a nobody, undrafted quarterback and who has, who's been rejected before. He was a backup to, uh, to Jared Goff last year. Really, there's been a lot of criticism of Case Keenum, saying Case Keenum is not good enough. Case Keenum has absolutely ro- risen to the occasion and proven he is a franchise quarterback in the NFL. And the Vikings are weird because they don't have any real star players. Their best player is Adam Thieland, who is an undrafted wide receiver from, I don't even know what school, some tiny little school. He's, and he's become one of the best receivers in the NFL. It's really cool. It's a really good storyline. Right now, the Vikings are 10-2. and two. They may even be the best team in the entire NFL. Not to mention the best thing the Vikings have going for them. The Super Bowl is set in Minnesota. The Super Bowl will be played this year in the Vikings' new stadium in Minnesota. So the Vikings could play, if they make it to the Super Bowl, could play a home game for the Super Bowl. I don't think that's ever, in fact, that hasn't. That has never happened in the history of the NFL. Other than, of course, like, Super Bowl two II and three when the Vi- the Packers were playing at home because that's, that's before they had the neutral field rule. So in the neutral field era, there's never been a team that played a home Super Bowl. How cool would that be? The other team that would be fantastic would be the Los Angeles Chargers. Here's why the Chargers are currently 6 and 6. They've had to fight through adversity after adversity and fight against adversity. They've had to overcome so many obstacles. And, and their quarterback, Philip Rivers, has never been to a Super Bowl. He's one of those weird borderline Hall of Fame guys. Uh, and he, we really can't ever, he'll never really get over the hump unless he wins a Super Bowl. Not to mention the Chargers are the second most popular team in their own city. They're second most popular to the Los Angeles Rams in their hometown. They started 0-4. The Chargers started 0-4. They've really overcome a lot. They may get the last spot in the AFC playoffs at 9-7. and That would be a Cinderella story. If the Chargers could start 0-4, be the least liked team in Los Angeles, their own city, and still make it to the Super Bowl, that would be incredible. Not to mention Philip Rivers finally getting his one shot at glory. It'd be awesome. It'd be really fun. The Vikings and the Chargers would be a great storyline because it'd be chock full of people overcoming so many challenges. Not to mention there's some fresh faces. I I, I love the Patriots. I want the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, honestly. But I'll be honest, I'm getting kind of sick of seeing the Patriots every single year. Patriots, the Seahawks. Yeah, it's not true. I, I, I don't want to say that just for you guys. I can see Tom Brady. Every, I love Tom Brady. I, I, am a, I am a Tom Brady. Oh my goodness, I love Tom Brady. So uh, me, you may want to see fresh faces. That might make you happy. Me personally, I love the Patriots. I think it'd be awesome if Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl every single year. And someone argued with me about that. Someone argued that a better storyline would be if the Patriots played the Vikings in the Super Bowl. Uh, they said that there would be better characters. You'd have Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Case Keenum. A lot of interesting storylines. Uh, maybe. But my question would be, who in Hollywood is writing this story? Is it the artist, or is it the executive producer who wants to make a ton of money? Yeah, because the Patriots, you hate them. You hate the Patriots. A lot of people hate the Patriots. I love them. Even though you hate the Patriots, you might watch way more if the Patriots and Tom Brady made it to the Super Bowl than if the San Diego Chargers... See, that's the problem. The Los Angeles Chargers are not as popular as the Patriots. They're a better storyline on paper. But I'm not saying the best game. I'm not saying this is the best matchup. I'm saying these are the best storylines to make it to the Super Bowl. My argument against that is this. The Vikings and Chargers, we would not know who is going to win. I'm pretty sure if the Patriots and Tom Brady played Case Keenum and the Vikings, we all know who's going to win that. Tom Brady. There's more intrigue when you don't know who's going to win between the Vikings and the Chargers. Not saying that the Vikings and Chargers is the best game. I think it's a damn good game. But it is by far the best storyline. Let's talk about LeVar Ball. I said yesterday uh, that I was done with LeVar Ball. I said I couldn't do it anymore. Uh, LeVar Ball is very loud. He's boisterous. He's the dad, obviously, of Lonzo Ball, LeAngelo Ball, and Mello Ball. And he's really controversial. A lot of people hate LeVar me, I've always said I like him. I like his loudness. I think it's, it's good for business. He's got a lot of business acumen. And his loudness is all manufactured to gather and grab our attention. The one thing I had a problem with was he took his son out of UCLA. The middle son, the one who's the least likely to succeed playing professional basketball. He said, nope, we're going to take him out of UCLA, remove him from a situation where he gets a free college degree, from the University of California, Los Angeles, and I said, I, I can't support that. I really, I can't support that. I was out. I was like, you know, when you're ruining your son's future, I, I can't support a guy who does that. Here's what I miscalculated. Here's where I was dead wrong about LeVar Ball. LeAngelo Ball, the middle son of the Ball family, is not a normal human being. So for you and me, for you and me, we're, we're, we're regular guys. If we... Give up? If we passed up a free education at UCLA, we'd be idiots. We'd be stupid. But if you're LeAngelo Ball, a member of the Ball family, home of the big baller brand, you're part of a big brand. You don't need UCLA. You don't need that business degree. You don't need a degree in sociology. You don't need whatever degree you're going to get at UCLA. I'll be honest, LeAngelo Ball doesn't need it because he's not one of us. He's a member of higher society, part of a big brand and a big company. Le'Angelo Ball sitting on the bench at UCLA would have hurt the big baller brand. So now I understand. I understand why his dad took him out of UCLA. It would have looked bad for the family. It would have looked bad for their company. As it is right now, Le'Angelo Ball and his younger brother, LaMelo Ball, are looking into they got, they got agents and they're looking into playing basketball in Europe together. That is good for big baller brand because we're going to get a lot of headlines. Because if LeAngelo Ball is sitting on the sidelines at UCLA, no one's talking about him. If he's playing basketball in Europe, whether he's doing well or doing bad, the media will talk about it and bring more and more attention to big baller brand LeVar Ball's company. The more eyeballs you get, the better it is for LeVar Ball. At least that's what he's thinking. So I, I finally understand. I'm not out on it. LeAngelo Ball is, is part of a multi-million dollar company. He can go to college whenever he wants, if he so pleases. But he's not one of us. I miscalculated that. I assumed, you know, if, if someone I knew said, took their son out of Lake and who had a free degree, I'd be like, you're an idiot. College is expensive. Don't do that. Or you don't have the same plans. But LeAngelo Ball is not a member of our society. He's part of the Ball family, part of a big brand. He's not one of us. That is why... I finally changed my mind. I support LeVar Ball taking his son out of UCLA. I get it. He's a good businessman. He is really driving traffic. The fact that I'm talking about him now gives proof. LeVar Ball is a great businessman who knows probably exactly what he's doing. I think every move he's made has been very highly calculated. Last night, Baker Mayfield won the Maxwell Award. He won the Walter Camp Player of the Year Award. So he won two Player of the Year Awards for college football. He also won the Davey Bryan Top Quarterback Award in college football. And later on Saturday, we're probably going to see Baker Mayfield win the Heisman Trophy in college football. Baker Mayfield's getting award after award after award. And it doesn't matter a single bit. None of it means anything. Anything. There's one thing that will make Baker Mayfield a good NFL football player, and that is the chip on his shoulder. Here's something we see with musicians often. We'll see a musician grow up really poor or angsty, or he really wants to make it, and he makes music about how he's chasing his passion, he's chasing his dream, and then the dude gets a million dollars. The guy makes a ton of money, and the music changes. The music goes from, I'm angsty, I'm upset, I want to make it, to, yo, I made it, I'm happy. Of everything I want and and his fans go what is this why'd you change well I made way more money I've, I've achieved my dreams often success changes people not always but often we we, we saw Tim Tebow win the Heisman we saw Reggie Bush Matt Liner, Danny Werfel a lot of winning the Heisman means nothing winning the Heisman does not automatically make you successful in the NFL in fact it looks like honestly it's kind of a stain a lot of the guys that win the Heisman Aren't successful. And similar to the rapper or the musical artist who loses their drive because they make millions of dollars, these awards Baker Mayfield is, are getting could be potentially bad for him. Baker Mayfield's best quality is his chip on his shoulder. Look at the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. What do they all have in common? They all slipped in the NFL draft. They were all overlooked when they came out of college football and joined the NFL. They have a chip on their shoulder. They have a desire to prove everybody wrong. That's what Baker Mayfield also has. Baker Mayfield did not get his college scholarship when he left high school. Then Texas Tech wouldn't give him a scholarship and he had to go to Oklahoma and walk on a second time. Baker Mayfield has been overlooked his whole life until now. Baker Mayfield is finally getting recognition for the fruits of his labor. We will be it'll be very telling. How does Baker Mayfield respond to his success? Does he continue to have that chip on his shoulder, underestimate himself overestimate himself? Does he continue that drive to prove everybody wrong? Or will Baker Mayfield get complacent? I really hope Baker Mayfield continues to work his butt off to be a top quarterback in the NFL and in college football. But if Baker Mayfield doesn't He will not make it in the NFL. Baker Mayfield's biggest strength is the chip on his shoulder. The fact that he's been overlooked in the past really helps him now. Baker Mayfield can be a successful NFL quarterback. He'll need to land in the right system. He'll need a coach that supports him. He'll need a warm weather city. He'll need all kinds of factors to go right. But the most important thing for Baker Mayfield is he cannot lose the chip he has on his shoulder. That attitude that he wants to prove everybody wrong. If Baker Mayfield gets cocky and loses that attitude, he will not be successful in the NFL. I mean, there are a lot of really really great NFL matchups this weekend. I want to go through them before we end the show. So, first we have the Raiders and the Chiefs playing each other this week. They're both 6 and 6. They're both vying for their division. It's going to be a really great game. So, look for that game. Look for the Colts and the Bills to play each other. This could be a really really close game. The Bills have a great defense. Jacoby Brissett's playing for the Colts. It's just going to be a really fun, interesting game. The Cowboys and the Giants play each other. There are so many. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fantastic, fantastic games in the NFL this year, this week. The Cowboys and the Giants play each other again. The Cowboys should dominate, but this is Eli Manning's first game back, returning to a starting role. There's an interesting storyline there. Could be a really good game. The Vikings, the Panthers are going to be fantastic. The Vikings are ten and two. The Panthers are 8-4, two fantastic playoff teams going head-to-head. I pick the Vikings, but you never know with Cam Newton. Cam Newton could always really surprise us. We also have the 49ers playing the Texans. The Texans are extremely talented, they just don't have a quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo has played the Texans once already this season. He played them with the Patriots, so Jimmy Garoppolo knows what the Texans are running. He practiced with them in the offseason, he played them earlier this year. Not to mention, it's Jimmy Garoppolo's first start in San Francisco. I'm picking the 49ers to beat the Texans, but that could be a really good game with a wild finish. Plus, Jimmy Garoppolo is just interesting. I want to watch a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo every week I can because he's just fun to watch. He's interesting. He's very mesmerizing. Will Jimmy Garoppolo be a good quarterback? I think so. Let's find out. We'll watch the Texans 49ers this weekend on Sunday. The Redskins play the Chargers on Sunday a huge huge game. The Redskins for whatever reason could not make it work this year. They're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're 5 and 7. The ball's kind of rolled on them, but they're a good team that can win some games. And you have the hot extremely hot Chargers at 6 and 6. So I actually picked the Redskins to win this game, but the Redskins Chargers is a really good matchup. I can't wait to see on Sunday. The Seahawks play the chart. The, the Seahawks play the Jaguars this weekend. I'm picking the Seahawks, but remember these are great defenses. I give the edge to the Seahawks because they have Russell Wilson. But you never know. This could be a really fun game. The last game uh, in the NFL this week is the Steelers and the Ravens. This is going to be a great game. Remember, we saw the Bengals and the Steelers on Monday night. And this will be another tough, hard ASE North matchup. I I picked the Steelers because they have home field advantage in this game. But you never know. Joe Flacco could rise to the occasion. I think they're a fringe playoff team. Steelers-Ravens will be extremely physical and a really good football game. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much for listening to Strong Opinion Sports. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. I put my full show on YouTube. I put my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. We're growing. It's a ton of fun. I love what we're doing. I love you guys, the fan base. Your comments on YouTube are so engaging and so much fun. I love having discussions with you guys. Thank you so much. Remember, my name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports for Friday, December 8th. Have a great weekend, everybody. I hope you enjoy a lot of fantastic football on Sunday. On Sunday and have a great one, everybody. Take care.